Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Maze Runner, The Scorched Trials, directed by Wes Ball and released in 2015. The plot of the movie goes something like this. Having escaped the maze, our heroes face a new set of challenges in a desolate landscape filled with unimaginable obstacles. Zombies. They're zombies. Okay, you That's should have pulled the spoiler warning before <laughs> you said zombies. By the way, spoiler warning, guys. <laughs> um, yes, unexpected zombies. I, I knew they were going to be zombies. So. I didn't because I don't read many um, of these books. Before oh, I haven't I read them. the books. Jamie told me all about them. <laughs> um, but he said they got worse. And I, I genuinely think this movie is much better than the last one. Yeah, from what I remember of it, the last one was like – screamingly unoriginal and full of boys and this one is also relatively unoriginal and also full of boys but you I know. think the last one was very uh, limited mm. it was limited in location and they didn't really do a good enough job of building up that location to be cool mm. for us to be interested um, they didn't really the lore is kind of rubbish in these series <laughs> uh, in the Maze Runner series the lore is silly Everything has a silly name and they keep talking about it all the damn time, especially in the first one, and it just kind of grated on me. Mm. Um, and everything was kind of oversimplified. Like, concepts were way too simplified mm. for the audience, right? So I think those are the kind of major issues that this one sidesteps yeah. that makes it a more enjoyable movie, even though it is kind of – it's predictable and it's um episodic in yeah. its own way, like – they go to this thing and then there's this yeah. running and this challenge and then there's the next thing where they run and then there's another challenge and stuff but like that. that. Episodic nature kind of makes it a bit more interesting. It does. And it's also kind of elevated by really terrific supporting cast. Mm. So this yeah. one has um, has Giancarlo Esposito as possibly my favorite character now in the series. Mm-hmm. Um, he was fantastic and he's always a good actor so i actually when his back was turned to the camera i was like oh my god it's giancarlo esposito and i got really excited before (laughs) before we saw him i figured it out and i didn't know he was in this movie it was just because his name was jorge and i saw the back of his head and i was like i know who that is and yeah i think the the new characters really injected Mm. like a much needed boost to the series because i do like the characters from the first one but minho and thomas at least minho and thomas and newt basically yeah. um oh, and the, the then they bring one, there was a cute little kid who got shot in the end chuck well. yeah and they bring two other kids who genuinely i didn't realize were from the maze and i thought they just met in this place where there were a bunch of kids from other mazes i i'd completely mm. forgotten that those two kids existed and then they, so that's how much yeah. impact they made from the first movie to this one on me yes and, and they are our eth- ethnically diverse characters too well the there's minho to be fair the, i yeah, think Minho's these movies are actually pretty lead, good on the ethnic diversity front Mm. Um, apart from, I mean, our, our two kind of lead ma- our lead dude and girl are white, but Teresa's so awful anyway that you just don't really care. Thomas and Minho, so yeah, um, and they're and yeah, and they're awesome. Yeah, and then but then they meet a kid called Eris who is from another maze, and I actually liked him. I thought he added mm. quite a bit to it. He's good because he's very different from the others. The others mm. are very much kind of gung ho. Mm. Uh, not so much Newt. Newt is always the kind of the voice of reason to Thomas's mm. uh, let's just go attitude. <laughs> um, oh, my God. But there is one thing, one holdover that frustrates the hell out of me in this movie, which you, of course, know because by the end of the movie I was, like, just in pain every time it happened. Thomas will ask a question and the response is let's go or 
do this or come on or you'll see and nobody ever bloody well answers his questions and then they wonder why he asks so many questions it's because he wants just one answer to one question one time but then when they are trying to get out of the first place they're stuck he he just he's like go let's go let's go yeah, and they in the others situation. hold him up until he has answered their question yes and in that situation he has a perfect right to because they genuinely are in like immediate danger He's constantly asking questions when people aren't in immediate danger, <laughs> if you've noticed, when they're standing at cars, when they're about to open a grate, but they're just kind of standing around. Like mm. he's always, he asks questions at times that are perfectly appropriate to ask them when there's no real kind of urgency <laughs> and people are just like, you'll see, so that they can maintain the tension and surprise mm. us with the result. And you're like, you can't do that, guys. It's so fucking annoying. <laughs> Nobody does that in the real world. Nobody mm. ever does that in the real world. What Thomas did when people were asking him questions and he was like, we're really in a hurry. People do that in the real world mm. because he's, they're really in a hurry. And he even like tells them why in the middle of his hurry. Nobody ever bothers to answer his questions. <laughs> so annoying. He's like the only curious person in this world. And then he meets up with Brenda, who's the only other curious person in this world. And suddenly you're like, can't we just have her as the girl, please? Yeah, she's great. I like when they add her in. I'm Someone I'm not familiar with, Rosa Salazar, who's apparently also an insurgent, but I don't remember her. Um, I don't remember her either. I'm trying to. No, <laughs> I don't. She obviously had a small role. Yeah. She injected quite a bit. Jorge, Eris, um, surprise Alan Tudyk. Yeah, that was fun. Um, <laughs> he was very minor role, but he, you know, milked it for all it was worth because he's Alan Tudyk. Yeah, yeah, and um, and Lily Taylor, Barry Pepper. Yeah, in the at the end there, and it, but even the other adult actors like Aidan Gillen is the sort of main villain. I thought he was terrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just he was. Firstly, he can't. His he accent to be in his natural natural accent. But- no, no, he was trying for American. Oh, was he not Irish? I thought no. he was meant to be See, Irish. See, that's the thing is that you can hear him trying for American but failing so, so badly. See, I thought I, – I was thinking, oh, yeah, they've made him Irish so that he can be in his native accent. I didn't even pick up that he was trying to do American. It was. Oh, boy. Um, And uh, – well, I think he was. And P- Patricia Clarkson, like that character is so – Such a waste. Yeah. She's as annoying as Teresa is. So – but- treated horribly. That that role is just the worst role. Like, Teresa, there's no reason for her to be there apart from the fact that Thomas has a raging boner for her. Like, he just keeps dragging her along. If they had left her mm. at Wicked instead of going after her, um, then none of the problems in the movie would, would have happened. Yeah, they, She but- never contributes anything. And, and she's awful. And then she betrays them. The one goddamn girl in the whole team has to be the one to betray them. Because women are inherently untrustworthy. Oh, it's so bad. Um, and, the, uh, and if they're not, then you have to kill them or, you know, in, infect them Somehow, with the virus. Yeah, get them I do trouble. think uh, the, the main problem with James Dashner, his work, is is the sexism. Like, and I'm, these movies, I think they try to sidestep it a little bit, but it's still really, really clear. And it's coming I, through. I've just, I mean, I, I only know him from these Maze Runner books. Well, I, from what I've heard from the next one as well and, and stuff, I just think that, and the main problem with this series, mm. apart from the irritating naming of everything. Yeah. Like, and everybody has a unique name. Like, they were doing this thing where they were calling out. So, the, near yeah, the beginning so of the movie. they have no last names. They just have a unique first name. Yeah. Yeah. Near the beginning of the movie, they do uh, a bit where they think that the kids think they've been saved 
they're taken in by what is in fact still wicked and then wicked are taking kids off to harvest their cure which is inside them because of the mazes somehow. Yeah, so, what, they were chosen to go into the maze because they were immune to the oh. flare virus, which I keep wanting to call the phage because I'm watching Star Trek. So, yeah, so they do that. And so they're being the kids are being harvested and they, they call out the names and it's like one of them was like David. Mm. And you're like, there's no other Davids? And there's no there's other like Thomases? 50 kids in here? These aren't uncommon names. Yeah, but they, apparently everybody has a unique first name. Yeah. And, and some and, people were lucky enough to get Thomas. <laughs> there's Some people get Ziggy or whatever that – there was a weird name. Well, there's some of them are nicknames because the other boy that they've got with them is Frypan. So there's – and there used to be Galley and um, there were a couple of others in the last Chuck one that had, yeah. had nicknames. Um, so, yeah, they do that thing. Squiggy. It was Squiggy. That's um, and then Eris shows them what's really going on and shows Thomas because Thomas is so much the special. The only <laughs> yeah. way that it sells is because Dylan O'Brien is so wonderful. Yeah. Like he really kind of – he puts a lot of pathos. Like I still think they're holding him back, these he's, movies. Yeah, he is. he's a good leading man. He could be doing better than this. He, he has the most expressive face. That like even when the lines are terrible and even when what he's being asked to do is kind of stupid, he's so expressive that it all kind of, it he just always sells it. He's lovely to look at too. He's got oh, his amazing God, bone structure and you know big brown eyes and I eyelashes was, was and bored. a lovely waist and yeah. I was a bit bored because I kept spend a lot of time looking at his little ski jump nose and yeah. his perfect cheekbones. <laughs> Yeah, I do think it was too episodic, but I still also think that it was better than the first one, and I enjoyed watching it. Yeah, exactly. I didn't get bored. Well, I was a little bit bored, but I, I didn't like, – the action kept going, and I, yeah. I kept on – I was interested in the story this time, and it wasn't I, – I feel like we've seen this group of young people are locked together in a, in a particular situation thing before, and it wasn't – just it just didn't do anything for me, but the having to actually escape and move on and work out who their allies were and deal with zombies – was like that was left us plenty to do. Well, the best parts of this movie were the zombie movie. <laughs> yeah. They were the best parts. Like um, you know, when Minho they're running away from the storm and Minho gets struck by lightning, and you're like, oh no, Minho. But well, and, the best and, part was the bit when they they are by themselves and they encounter the zombies for the first time, and they're great zombies too. They're like fast zombies, and the but they're also the the makeup on them is really effective, mm-hmm. and they they're genuinely kind of creepy, but they don't look like any kind of other zombies that you've seen before. They're really well done, I thought. Mm. Really nice. Yeah, definitely. I, I One of my favourite bits was actually where Thomas and Brenda are on their own and they're going in this through this maze, the underground passages, and it, it's pure horror film. Yeah. She does – he's like, I think we should go this way. And she's like, ooh, come and have a look at this. And then they follow like the really gross blood blood on the walls. Trail and, of thing. course, they find zombies. But it's but done- zombies that are like – that are like molded into the walls that come full, out. Well, she or, says she says full term. Yeah. So like the zombies that have the disease has progressed further in them. But so this I think is that's like it grows out of them and it grows up along the walls mm. and it, it sticks them to the. It's so creepy and cool yeah. and weird. And I like yeah. that. Yeah. And that scene is done really well because you're you're just like don't go in there. That's clearly bad. And then they keep going and then you hear this noise and it's a rat. Like it's the suspense is just played perfectly. Yeah. I almost that when those two were together, I was almost like, do we have to go back to the others? Well, see, I wanted just them and, and Minho can come too. Yeah, Minho. He's, he's I cool. love Minho. But, yeah, it is a bit. Do we have to go back to Teresa is the thing. Poor Teresa. Like, um, oh, she's yeah, the worst. She's just the worst. I, I think I mean poor Kaya Scotelario. Because yeah. she's a good, like, she was somebody that people were really touting to take on one of these, you know, these YA movies. Franchises, yeah. And she got this. 
It's awful. But yeah, I agree. Like, I think the best section of the film was from when they were in that mall and they met all the zombies mm. up to the party scene, the club mm. that, that's been set up where they all have to, like, drink drugs or whatever it was mm. before they get in and then they're having those kind of hallucinations and everybody's off their minds, out of their minds, and Alan Tudyk is running it. Yeah. And he's just this kind of mad, drugged out, like, loose. Yeah, kind of playboy perfect. guy. It's just a perfect role to, it is. S- to slot into the middle of this. Um, and and that whole section for me was the best part of the movie because mm. that's also when we get to meet um Jorge and they blow up his place to the like with the song and yeah. that whole section. For yeah, Jorge set the self destruct. I actually didn't mind get like even the getting to the um right arm camp they get to. That's kind of interesting to me, especially yeah. the bit where they're dealing with the ambush. But then that final. The final bit. The last our, act. It goes so long. Yeah, and where our villains from the first act in the last movie all come back and it's just, mm, it's not as good. Villains from the last act of the first movie? The, from the first act of this movie and the last. Yeah. Of- oh, the end, the beginning of this movie also is a real. Um, last week on the Scorch Trials? No, no, no. No, it's just, it's like bang, bang, bang. It's like, you know. Thomas is a kid, but that's a dream. And then he wakes up and he's in the elevator, but that's a dream. And then he wakes up and he's got to run for it into the, mm. and it's very disorienting. And that was quite good. Um, on the disorienting front, though, I really wish they would hold the camera still every so often and not flash torches into it constantly. Yeah. Well, there were some scenes I thought where that worked quite well, where they're but first, they do it so often. Where they're first in the mall and they're just walking through and they haven't worked anything out yet. There's a couple of scenes where that's done well. It's probably overdone. Yeah. It's done well. It's too long. Overdone is a real issue in this movie. Let's talk about, like, the number of tropes that I saw several times in this movie. Mm. One, Thomas has to run somewhere. Then he has to run back and say, I'll be right behind you. Four times that happens in the movie. Um, There's that. There's somebody else has to go back. There's somebody says, I'll hold them off for you. And then immediately gets killed, like, infected, uh, captured, whatever. Um, That happens three times in this movie. Like, Guys, come on, get some new material. Yeah, and the the each place they go, like each episode drags on a bit too long. Like things, I've got things another run one. on too long. Yeah, the other one is um, I'm taking you to Jorge. I'm taking you to Marcus. I'm taking you to like, and then yeah. they'll be like, "Ooh, who's this mysterious new person?" And then they suddenly show up, and they're the leader. And and yeah, that, that happens, happens three times. Three times, yeah. And you're like, Jesus Christ, guys! Yeah. Like this is so predictable at this point. Do mm. something different with your like, it is just the same kind of thing over and over mm. again. And it's and, so tropey. And yet, you have this random edit in the middle of it where they say, we've got <laughs> to find shelter. And they're, like, running and everything is awful. And then just cut. And they found shelter. Most abrupt cut ever. Yeah. Uh, so, there were a few so bits that, like that one has a weird abrupt edit. And yet, other scenes will drag on and on. And we see them at least three times get dragged to the leader. And yeah. and at gunpoint in Henleys and jeans. Mm. <laughs> in Look, their dystopia chic. Oh, uh, uh, the Dylan O'Brien's t-shirts, whatever they, whatever they are, wherever he picked them up from, they are. They're worth. Those are the Henleys. That's what yeah. those. Yeah, they're little, like, the little yeah. neck, neck notch. Yeah, yeah, very, very good. Like the costume designer on this did the perfect kind of dystopia chic, where everybody looks terrific, mm. and yet in simple clothes that look weathered. That's- yeah, well, and and it's sometimes like um, Teresa when she's when they're in the f- first mall, she picks up like because she they, she'd run away in her pajamas and no shoes, she picks up like mum jeans and makes manages to make them look fashionable <laughs> yeah and a jacket but then and like and, awesome you boots. know and brenda wears this like perfectly ripped jumper yeah 
and and they've got and little scarves. Cool, well, Brenda has like cool leggings and a long cardigan as well, looking mm-hmm. very you know fabulous. Yeah, everybody's really kind of the 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 dystopia fashion is really on point. I know everybody just looks oh, right, and they get to the mall, and Dylan O'Brien picks up a jacket that fits him perfectly and also looks amazing. I think one of the biggest problems with these movies is the bad guy because Wicked yeah. is not. Every time compelling, the one time they actually spelled the name out, I just burst out laughing. I heard, so I'm like, yeah. is that that can't be their it's kill the, zone? Something. No, no, no. It's the it's the world something kill zone division or something. I can't. Yeah, world crisis. It's, it's, yeah, well, it's, it's like the stupidest acronym that ever stupid, yeah. and it's shortened to wicked. So every time they talk about the bad guy, I think they're going to break out into song, and somebody's <laughs> going to be painted green. Well, the the poster from The Martian has. Like the catchphrase on the poster from The Martian is "Bring him home." So every time I walk past it, it's just "Bring him home." Every time, yeah, which and, is Lame Is song. But by the way. sadly, nobody breaks out into defying gravity no. in this one. They just call themselves Wicked because I don't know. And 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 then like the thing is, they're sort of posing it as this kind of greater good, like they want to save people from the virus thing mm. and they really want to save people from the virus and they're trying to do the right thing so what do they do blow people up shoot people in the stomach like right in front of them you know it's it's they're so clearly the bad guys i mean aiden gillen just like the first time he appears in a turtleneck and you're like he's a bad guy yeah well he's aiden gillen you're like Mm, yeah, he's not going to be good. If I had never seen him in anything before, he would still look like a bad appearance, guy. You would be like, he is a bad guy, you know. Whereas Lily Taylor and Barry Pepper's first appearance, you're like, these are the good guys. Which is why I think Jorge is such a breath of fresh air because when you first meet him, he seems like a bad guy because he says has that terrible line where he's like, three questions: Who are you? Where are you from? And how can I profit? You know, it's very Such badly written. bad dialogue. Yeah. I'm sorry. I've just found out what Wicked stands for, and it's even worse than we expected. World in Catastrophe Kill Zone Experiment Department, which I think they'd change in the movie, but that's what it stands for in the book. It's terrible. Um, and, yeah, his his line of dialogue when he first meet him, and I was like, oh, no, they're going to waste him in this role. But then yeah. they didn't, and he gets to, like, do, do the proper kind of turnaround thing, and he's so good. I really liked him. Yeah. <laughs> I was so glad they took him along because I was like, yes, we get more Chimacalo yeah. Esposito. Just, just it livened up everything. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Adding just – especially those two mm-hmm. plus um, Eris to a lesser yeah. extent. And I liked him because he was a little bit different from everybody else. But adding those guys really kind of – and then you get this kind of feeling of relief and, and mm. safety when Thomas is with his friends as well. So it kind of mm. it heightens their relationship as well by being away from it for a little while. Mm. Yes. Um, which works, you know, it's it's nice. And then, you know, of course, at the end of the movie when Minho gets captured and you're just like, no, why him? <laughs> Why do you have the, to capture him? Well, then I've, that's got to give us some real stakes for the next one. Yeah, like how, you know, capturing Peter is the best thing you can do for um, Hunger Games because he's the only one, he's the one you really want to save, right? Mm. Like he's the, the heart and soul of the movies. Minho is basically yeah, the same guy. Exactly. And he's so cute. Which is why, he, which is why Kai, Hong, Kai I, Hong Lee is just so cute. Yeah, and that's why I think of Thomas and Minho as the main couple <laughs> yeah. because there isn't really. You talk earlier about Thomas having a raging boner for um, Teresa, but like you, I don't see any chemistry there. No, there isn't any. I just but the, don't... It's in the script, so he has to. Yeah. Other than that they they tell us and they make it out that he has this love triangle, there is love no triangle. chemistry. Oh, yeah, they, that bit 
that bit when you're not her and Brenda kisses him because Brenda yeah. like is so thirsty for Thomas from the moment she lays eyes on him, which I can well, understand. I can understand that. God. Yeah. Poor I mean, woman to be stuck fair, in a dystopia with a father figure. Yeah, she's like a teenage girl and three hot teenage – well, you know, a couple of hot teenage guys wander across her scene and one of them Hello. looks like Dylan O'Brien in that Henley. Yeah, I get yeah, it. Why she get him drunk and make out with him? <laughs> exactly. Uh, but then he's all, you're not her, and you're like, really? Because she is so much better. And I yeah. hate this kind of concept of, like, pitting women against each other, but the thing is, Teresa is so – so terrible that she is actually the worst at all times in every one of her scenes. Mm. There's not a single, I think the only time I've ever liked her in either of these movies is when she first appears in the glade and she's just throwing like up a tower and throwing throwing things at at the boys so that they can't come up and get her. That's the only time I liked her. The whole, every time since then, it's always she knows more than everybody else and she is awful about it. Mm. Yeah, they just awful, unbearable girl. Ruin her, and it's it's not her fault. It's that she's badly written. Well, yes. <laughs> Sorry, it's not the actress. It's not fault. the actress. It's, no, it's I a mean, terribly written character. It is. It's not like where I, Aiden Gillen just I thought was bad. Yeah, Clyde Scott well, Lario was I trying. What I mean is, it's not. There's like- a moment as well when she's in front of the helicopters and they're coming over, and she mm-hmm. looks slightly mad. Mm-hmm. And I was like, maybe they should go for that angle with her, like that she's a little bit crazy or something. That might make her more. At least more compelling as a character. Yes, let's take let's go down the bitches be crazy route. No, but I mean now it's the you know all women are inherently untrustworthy route. So which is better? At least when it's bitches be crazy, she'll have something to do. You know, like is that really is it is it worse? It's still another trope, but is it worse than than women are inherently untrustworthy? It gives her something to do. Yeah, something a bit more interesting than just kind of look slightly disturbed and cry every so often, taken off by. Doctors so much more coats. affecting when, when oh, that moment when Dylan O'Brien cries when oh, he's he's killing himself. Oh, when he's just like, fill up. His eyes fill Stop. up with tears. No, it's amazing and I can't. Yeah, that's so good. that's like Chris Pine level stuff. And that's what I'm saying. This is a really talented kid. Oh, no. That's I, why they gave him this. I agree with you. I and there's a moment he, when he's hanging from the ceiling and he drops himself down and I'm like, he didn't get Spider-Man. I know. He's <laughs> gorgeous and like these long ropey muscles and anyway. Yeah. That's all right. Look. And every Spider-Man time I see him, he's a little are, bit bigger. Yeah, strange. He's growing up, Katie. Your baby is growing up. <sighs> I'm just so proud. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it is though because it's kind of like because I I watched Teen Wolf, you know, pretty much from the beginning, and mm. I was like that. That's you know, that's the guy. Oh yeah, I definitely and you watch him and how you're you just get like attached to people you've watched since the beginning. Yeah, and you watch him grow up and get hot, and you're just like, that's so great. Well, him and <laughs> not he, just the hot, but he's you yeah. know, it's so great that he's doing well and that he's getting roles and that he's you know being considered for really big roles and that. Mm. I know it's, you know, it's sad because he is just like, they're all these ki- white kids, but he is terrific. So, yeah, well, that's right. And the, yeah, I mean, there's only so many roles, but he's kind of lucky that he is a white dude because he probably will get some he is. good stuff. Yeah, he is. But also, like, Marvel, for example, has filled all of its rotor of white male heroes at the moment. And <laughs> so is DC. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That doesn't mean they won't in the future. Yeah, I mean, he'd be good in a lot of. In a lot of things. I feel definitely. like he would just be, like, he kind of is very Peter Parkery. <laughs> like, Styles is quite Peter. If you put Styles and Thomas together, you basically get Spider Man, right? Like, Thomas is the Spider Man part where he's, like, swinging around on webs, and mm. Styles is the nerdy Peter Parker. You haven't seen Teen Wolf, but he is mm. <laughs> the nerdy Peter Parker type thing. And then he's done some stuff. I mean, Teen Wolf has gotten really bad in the last couple of seasons, but he's still got, had some really intense stuff to do that he really yeah, knocks out of the park. He gives. It gives his all to some material that's not quite necessarily doing him any favours. Yeah. 
but that's okay. He will he will get better, and some someone will give him material that's worthy of his talent at some yeah one day point. Hopefully, but him and young. him and Ki Hong Lee are like pretty much the only reason I agreed to turn up to this movie. They were the reason I wanted to see it, and. To be fair, I went to it and I was pleasantly surprised because my yeah. expectations were so low because I think it's been like with the first Maze Runner and the Insurgent and Divergent movies, which are just so not good. Just meh. And then you were like, oh, look, they're getting to the city in Insurgent when we... Yeah, well, that that was the other problem I had is that everything was a trope. Like there was so many things happening in the movie that were so similar to things I'd seen before. They escape from the facility and they do pull the whole searching for them on motorbikes thing from The Great Escape. Like really? Mm-hmm. Can, can you not shoot an escape from jail scene in any more interesting way than that? No. Nope. And then, like, they have them walking across this ridge of sand. <laughs> and That's then the gunshot. Original. Yeah, the, the walk. And then, and here the gunshot. When I was like, Winston, Winston, you just have to wait till they're they're at a really, really photo, like photogenic dune before you kill yourself. Yeah, and just before we find out that Teresa is betrayed them, she's standing photogenically on this ledge that juts out, and I she's thought got the she long, might try to kill herself. Yeah, she's got the long flowing robes on, and well, we don't know what's going to happen in the third movie, but yeah, um, just so many like, and, and there's a or there's I thought like he team, might try and push her off. There's like a team shot of them all walking in together to the. One of the I should have known that better. He's to. way too too heroic. Oh no, yeah. there's a bunch of those team yeah. shots. They I'm, have them. They so have them like every five minutes for the fir- hmm. for quite a few. And there's so many. Scenes. Yeah, just visual cliches that get. Yeah, a bit but boring. it was also really pretty. It was well it shot. Nice, but they weren't doing anything original with it. They weren't. But I also think that, I mean, it, it looked good, and they did the um uh Jurassic Park two uh glass mm. the woman stuck on the glass thing and that was really fun scene mm-hmm. i really liked that that was done well yeah and the, another the, zombie the two scene. buildings that were leaning against each other and the, and that whole scene actually with the spiraling kind of dizziness of, of Again, the vertigo this is this is my fate part of my favorite bit when yeah. the two of them are together and they're running up that building yeah. that's collapsed and yeah but that i think i'm just saying that was a bit that was actually shot quite in quite an original way yeah and the the moving camera worked for it as well yeah in that sense uh, but it was also kind of like the dizzying kind of. They kept going in spirals and they kept going up, 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 and and it was really tense. And I liked that. That was really fun, mm. quite nicely done. Mm. So that was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If if it was just this, if this movie was like that chunk of the movie, mm. it would probably get a higher rating than it's going to out of me because it isn't just that chunk of the movie. No. There's a whole bunch of other part of the movie that, like the beginning and the end, the book ends at, at week. Yeah. And and it's and I think it's because the, the plot is the bad part of these and like the lore and this you know the yeah world. the world building is just not good. No, that the, the sto- main storyline of our heroes and it's, and it's posed as this kind of uh, Thomas is someone who uh, who is trying to save each individual person and Teresa is working for the greater good. But because Thomas is so much our hero and she's so awful and we could just keep shooting everybody that they come across and, you know, Aidan Gillen is punching children and you're like, really? <laughs> really? There's no – they're trying to make a, a sympathetic and understandable villain but also making them horrible all the time. You mm. can't do that. You can't have it both ways. You've either got to make them sympathetic and understandable and, and you can see why they would do the things that they're doing – or you've got to have it so that they're just evil. Mm. You don't get to do both. And it isn't this kind of it, – it wants to be this philosophical question of should we sacrifice these children for the greater good or should we be saving these children mm. and the rest of the world is doomed 
because they brought it on themselves anyway or whatever. Yeah. And make that an interesting question. There's a way to do it, right? Like we've seen people suffering through this virus. Um, the, the story that Teresa tells is actually genuinely affecting before she goes all, I just want you to understand why I betrayed you all. <laughs> crying. Yeah, exactly. Evil smile crying. Weird scene. But, uh, there's, it is just really like you can't, uh, if you're going to set that up, you do it better mm. and make Teresa genuinely likable and understandable in her motivations rather than always making her the worst. Like, don't set up Brenda as this, like, really cool, really kind of trustworthy person who saves them and helps them and stuff and has a great haircut. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, don't you can't do that. You don't get to do that because it just makes means nobody likes Teresa. Nobody's going to be on her side. And she has a perfectly valid point mm. that, like, a lot of people are suffering from this virus and they have a way of trying to figure it out. But I think they've just been stuck on this one way of trying to figure it out and they think that's the way to do it and they need somebody like Thomas to come in and go you're not doing it right yeah right like you're not looking at this from another angle and yet you know you can see how that could be an interesting story and it isn't yes because she is the worst yeah and I, I hate that because I hate it when people it's it's so almost a cliche to kind of hate the woman character because she's often badly written or she's the only girl in the, in yeah. the team and I hate that that's what happens here and that's what happened to us we just hate it because she's annoying and awful and but uh, she I mean you can't like she is a terrible character. I know. There's nothing we can do about it. And then they, they just double down and make but it I'm, worse. But I'm saying that like this is it is because like it is it is partly because of sexism that she's such a terrible. Oh character. yeah, yeah, yeah. But that doesn't mean that she's not a terrible character. And that every time you see you, you don't just go, God, no, not her. Yeah. Again. Well, I was at the end. I was like, maybe she'll get killed. Well, yeah, I know. Good. I know, and you don't want to be doing that. We don't really don't want to be doing no. that, clearly. Like, that's not what we want to be doing with our female characters, and yet here we are going, she's just the worst, can we just kill her already? Yeah, exactly. She, and then the black guy the, in the team, like, there's four dudes who survived to the end of the movie who are from the last one, and the black guy adds nothing. No, he is nothing. doesn't he even is just do there. comic relief. He asks a couple of questions... And there isn't a comic relief. That's it. Yeah, no, there isn't. I think if anyone was supposed to be the comic relief, it was Chuck in the first movie. I guess Newt, maybe. No, he isn't because he's the opposition to Tom. Like he's the he's the voice of reason. He's the voice of hang yeah, on, let's this is think about this. this. Is another pro- it is no comic relief. And Minho is just kind of the best bud, who's the adorable. Yeah, the boyfriend. There is. I mean, I think really ultimately it's Jorge. And yeah. Alan Tudyk, which is yeah, they they that would help if they had somebody along who was. Likeable and funny. Yeah, and you, you, but you, when you've got this small band of heroes, you can't have people in the team who you don't know what they're doing. Let's root for Natalie Emmanuel to be the comic relief in the next one. Yeah. She got to be in it. Yeah. She had good hair. Let's, let's hope she's funny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she hasn't been so far, but their lives are pretty depressing at the moment. Once they go on the run, maybe she'll find something to be funny about. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, do you want to give the movie a rating? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm tossing it between two and two and a half. Probably going to go for a two and a half because I actually did enjoy myself. But, like, yeah, not a great series, not a great – doesn't stick with me in any way. I'm going to give it a three, but only because I thought that middle section was so strong. Mm. And, like, I really like the character arc of Thomas as well because what one of the things that I quite like about his character is that he is not always right – Yes. And he hasn't always been right. Sometimes he's done the wrong thing and he's gotten people killed and he's made choices that aren't, like, the best choices. Yeah, the first time they get to the mall where he 
he doesn't know what he's doing and he leads people into places without really thinking it through. And yeah. So I think on that front, it, it is quite good. And I don't know if that's because of the books or because of the movies. I think, I think they've actually done a really good job of adapting what I hear are not terrific yeah. books into what are actually pretty good movies. I mean, this one was a pretty good movie, especially that. I think if the stuff that's actually original to the movie, like the zombie stuff, original to the movie in the sense that it's not dialogue that's spoken in the book and, and it's something that was visually described in the book, but you get have some liberties in yeah, the- in transposing it to the movie. I don't know if that exact scene was in the book, but I think that stuff is really good. So I feel like giving it a slightly higher score because I feel like the filmmakers are doing a good job mm-hmm. and the actors are doing a good job with something that wasn't the best source material. Fair enough. Yeah, okay. So I'm going a little higher. If, if I, I mean, if it weren't for the beginning and end, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. I think, I don't know, on, on the how many times did Melissa look at her watch scale, that's what tipped me over into the twos instead of the threes. But See, I was really having fun. Hmm. I just was having – but whenever I got bored, I was just like, oh, look at his little face, and then I wasn't bored anymore. <laughs> so it was Fair enough. Me. You know, it is silly a lot of the time, and there aren't problems with it, but I had fun watching it, so – Yeah, fair enough. What are you going to do? <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. I'll, pretty much I'm just going to thank everybody for listening to Silver Screen Queen's podcast and let them know they can find the show notes on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. They can find your review of Maze Run of the Scorch Trials on your blog, which is silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. And you can follow us on social media at screen underscore queens on Twitter, uh, tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com or facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens. I also feel a little bad about giving Man from Uncle such a low score. Because <laughs> I liked it so much, but it's so not good. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, if you would like to rate and review us on iTunes, don't forget to do that. And if you give us a movie request, we will review it for you. But only if you give us a rating and a review on iTunes. Don't just email us and be like, I want you to watch this movie. That's not how this works. You've got to give us a rating and review on iTunes if you want us to watch the movie that you want us to review. Thank you very much for listening. Bye. Bye.